Give me head, give me head, give me headlines, and give me head. Give me head. All right. <laughs> I just finally had to put it out there and say it. <laughs> I realized if you want what you want in this life, Ralph, you got to fucking just put it on Front Street. I've been too Don't ask, don't get. Yeah. So yeah. guess what? Give me head. <laughs> uh, give me head. Give me head. Give me ho-ho headlines, ladies and gentlemen. Nice. Um, it is time for the holiday edition of this time-honored show that's only existed for a couple weeks now. <laughs> I'm Kevin Finally, Smith. the Christmas episode we've all been waiting for. <laughs> the one that will be mocked for the next 30 years because we deigned to cast B. Arthur as a fucking barmaid, <laughs> which, you know, at the time was fairly visionary. It was, it was years after Maud, yes, but years before Golden Girls. She was right in that sweet spot. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. fucking Art Carney, I can't explain. Um, other than like, you know, well, Art Carney was on TV at, yes. and this show is on TV. So perhaps these two things, these two great tastes could taste great together. This will be the Star Wars holiday special of Give Me Headlines. I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Ralph Garman. And uh, happy ho-ho and merry Christmas to all of you at home. Those um, who celebrate. If you don't, happy whatever you're celebrating this fest festive season. That's true. Is my fucking um my what do they, what do they call that? Bias? Is my bias showing? I assume yes, that everybody your Christian bias. Christmasing and shit like that. Um it's true. Nobody ever forces Hanukkah down my throat. They could. Right? I love it. I'm like, what fucking how many nights of gifts? More of that. What what kind of hat that covers a bald spot? More of that. <laughs> Sadly, I was raised uh, as uh, as uh, I guess you would you would uh, Catholic, Kevin Catholic. I know, but facetiously, you know, when we were kids, it was referred to as being Jewish plus because uh, we believed everything our our uh, Jewish brethren and sistren believed. One small difference for that one last chapter where, you know, the M night Shyamalan turned to the whole thing, made it Catholicism. But hey, you're look, right. he's he's a nice guy, but come on, son of God. <laughs> and this isn't even fucking pulling Kwanzaa into it, which, to be fair, was that I mean, I'm sure it's been around forever. I've not done the deep dive, but like, was it around when we were kids and we just didn't hear about it because. We were well. Sheltered. It certainly was in Africa where it, it stems from. But I don't here, know. Like, I don't know when it was adopted here in the states. I think that was a, a maybe an, an eighties thing. I feel like, like in my lifetime it was introduced, like yeah. to this country. Um, but yeah, you're right. It it goes way back and stuff. Well, what and and Festivus, which is easier to remember us? because it was funny <laughs> and That's like right. you know, religion's hard to remember because it's really not that funny. Not in many places. Um. Other than like that one part in the Bible where like, and the Lord said, let there be light. Cause what a joke that is, particularly in 2020. But, uh, whatever you celebrate, or if you don't, if you're one of those people, if you're Ebenezer Scrooge or Bill Murray and Scrooged, where you're just like, you know, don't be like one of these people who says Christmas comes once a year and it's a fraud. Like maybe you're that cat, you know, the cat who's just like, all these people are going to be home watching the boob tube for me nobody scrooged really doesn't work in this day and age with him as a network executive right well do actually it does because he's doing exactly what network executives do which is reboot and remake long existing properties and try to 
try to repackage them as a new. You're absolutely right. It was ahead of its time, that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of which, what is your favorite Christmas movie? Uh, We're not going to have that fucking podcast debate about like, Die Hard, is it a Christmas movie? Of course it is. Stop talking. Give us a call now. One eight hundred. I mean, like I that I that that I would rather hear boxers or briefs <laughs> for a lifetime before I'd ever want to hear somebody fucking doubt whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It literally takes place at fucking ah, anyway. We're gonna we're gonna talk about favorite Christmas movies to open our fucking holiday edition of Give Me Headlines. What is your go-to Christmas movie? Minus my favorite Christmas movie is the 1970 musical adaptation of A Christmas Carol, Scrooge, starring Albert Finney in a tour de force performance as Ebenezer Scrooge. I like life. Life likes me. Life likes me. Life life and I fairly fully agree. Till I die, life and I will both try to be better somehow. And if life was a woman, she would be my wife. Why? Why? Because I like life. And if life was gay, I would suck its dick. Why? Because I love to fucking DT. I like now. I like life. I like life to rail me to death. Stop it. That's kind of what we, that's kind of the metaphor for life. Life rails you to death. And then one day you're fucking dead. And it fucks you constantly. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes you're like, oh my God, I fucking love fucking life. Sometimes life wants it too much, or maybe like is like, what, fucking nine nights in a row of anal life? Come on. And you get to a point where you're just like, I, life is fucking me and not in a good way. Sucking the life out of me, life. But yeah, my God, I think we, let's publish that as a book. That's like, that's like the 2021 version of chicken soup for the soul. Life fucks you to death. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't see that flying up. You're out of your fucking mind, man. In a world where like good night moon could fucking sell, life fucks you to death with a good graphic that kind of shows what we're saying. It's very different from good night moon. It's not moon fucked you. No, but it is a life lesson for children, particularly if we depict it with drawings. Like, and the way good night moon is like, kind of like, you know, a parent telling a kid, well, not a pet. That's, that's go to sleep, go the fuck to sleep. Um, well, I think we can pull this off one more time with a lifetime of being able to create your own, your own whimsy, whatever you want to do. It's true. And it's not like, um, I won't be told no, or I won't take no for an answer. Oh my God. Fucking, I live in a world of no and shit, but not when it comes to like crap like this. Like, you know, you tell me like fucking, no, you can't be an astronaut without fucking spending years training. I'm like, I get it. I get it. You tell me like, no, fucking dogma is not going to get nominated for best screenplay. I like, it blew my mind, but like, I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I mean, come on. That was a very imaginative fucking screenplay. Um, But, you know, you tell me like, can't fucking make a kid's book or any book called life fucks you to death. And I'm like, hold my motherfucking beer, man. Yeah. You're talking to the guy who made clerks. Ralph, by the way, if you had called it God, the movie, you might've been nominated. That's all I'm saying. Fuck. Now I sent Kevin me. a text this week saying, cause he mentioned that the original title for dogma at one point was God colon the movie. 
not the word colon, like up your ass colon, but that would be said, a even better title. God, up your ass a, colon. <laughs> the that's movie. a great fucking title. God, the movie. It, it, it was reminiscent of the Salkin brothers. That would just, yes, be it awesome. was literally stolen from Superman, the movie and Santa Claus, <laughs> the movie and everything else. That was that's the movie they that, did that Salkins did. It's not too late. <laughs> Life's there's still life. Um, true. Yeah, man, I've been digging. I mean, how did it happen? Why? Why? I'm trying to think where this shit came from. Oh, so, you know, we got, we're in that Kevin Smith club. And, yes. and as look around you, we're surrounded by that Kevin Smith club Kateers. We don't have a Garmy here, although there's a lot of crossover. There is indeed. Um, this is, uh, you know, a world of people hungry for content, Ralph. And one of the premiums we give away is uh, we print up the old scripts. And behind me on the shelf right there, you could see, like, I had a few old scripts. Um, but I remembered, like, that we had, like, at one point, an insane, when Kim, my ex-girlfriend, Kim Lochran, was, like, running the office back in Jersey, she built, like, a script library where she's like, this is a copy of every draft of every script you've ever written. And the fucking names are written on the spine and shit. And they went in a pullout drawer and a fireproof fucking case and shit like that. And then we moved out here and, and like it like gravitated from my office to an office downstairs to eventually like, you know, once we entered the digital age, all that shit went into storage. Mm. So recently for that Kevin Smith club, we had printed up a script where some pages were missing. I, I, you know, thought it was a complete script and I asked somebody to fucking go through it and check, but, uh, still some pages were missing in the fucking script. And I'm like, what? I was like, but I know I've got multiple copies of the script somewhere and went looking downstairs in the old office where it, you know, fucking it left 10 years or more ago. And then was like, Oh my God, maybe it's in storage. So Julian went out to storage and pulled out all these boxes of, scripts and screenplays and brought them here to the office and stuff. And I was like, Oh, here's the chasing Amy first draft. This is for the club, you know, go ahead. Like fucking. And, and then, uh, you know, the idea was let's leave them here in the house. Cause we'll be pulling scripts every quarter to print up dog movie. Right. Next Jane, Silent about Shrek back. And these are meant to be like early drafts. So like you're seeing the raw and shit that never even made the movie. So, you know, the boxes probably would have sat, you've been in my office, shit just sits around like a hoarder. Like I, you know, I look like, I look like I belong on a reality TV program and not seven seasons of comic book men, Ralph. I'm talking about one episode of like celebrity <laughs> hoarders. Like how could a man with so much means at his disposal live like a filthy animal in his amongst <laughs> such chaos and clutter? <laughs> Covered in rat shit and urine, caked with ages of decay. No, no, no! Don't touch that. I need, I need that. What if I need that? I, I literally the other day looked at a shelf in here and I was like, I haven't looked at this shelf in twelve fucking years. I could have like used this shelf for, for storage, but instead it just like sat there. Like, and then I, that's when I was like, I put up a picture. I organize. I start going through the script boxes. And felt like in love with the organizational skills of it all. Like, you know, and remembered like, oh shit, like I loved this back in the day. This is one of the things I love pulling out that drawing. Like, look at that fucking massive amount of work. Words, magic fucking words. That's when I was like writer Kevin Smith. 
But then somewhere along the way, I became professional Kevin Smith and like writer Kevin Smith was just one aspect of it. And again, we're in a digital world where you rarely pick, pick up a paper script. So they were just kind of forgotten until now. Now I pulled them out and I'm fetishizing the shit out of them. I've cleaned up that fucking shelf where I'm like, this shelf's being wasted. This, I could showcase my fucking work here. And it's on a low shelf, which if I lived in Jersey, I'd be scared of because of the storm. Nor'easter could come and fucking flood. That's what happened in my right. laser disc and comics back in the day. But I live on a hill in a desert, Ralph. So I feel like these scripts are relatively fucking safe, even if they're out. And to be fair, they're all digital somewhere as well at this point. But so in looking all through all these scripts, I've been finding all this other shit. I posted on Instagram the if you plan to shoplift, let us know sign from clerks. The original was like on the back of one of the fucking clerk scripts and shit. I was like, what the fuck? Um, the upside of being a hoarder is every day is archaeology. You get to get your little brush out and dust away the the years, and then you find this hidden gem buried amongst all the garbage you live in. And it's it's also like if you're a like a fan of yourself. Like I could see some people hoarding shit and then going through it and be like, why did I hold on to this? Like I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan, so I'm like, oh my god, this fucking this belongs in a museum. And oh. <laughs> I got to get him to sign this. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck, man? He's going to love this. And he does. I found a notebook that I thought like was gone where I started taking notes for a movie called inconvenience, which would mm. later become clerks where the characters names were not Dante and Randall, but Connie and let me see who the other cat was. Connie short for Conrad and darren connie and darren it's fucking crazy then i'm looking at this notebook and i'm finding dialogue that didn't wind up in clerks at all but instead wound up in fucking chasing amy like hmm. it's it's nuts and i and on top of all this i thought that this notebook was stolen from the trunk of Vinny's car back in like 1992 when we went to see bad lieutenant or 91 whenever it was and like someone broke into the trunk of his car and stole my official warner brothers script bag that i'd ordered from the warner brothers store before there was an online and before there was a <laughs> physical location for that store when they just put out a three-page brochure with those sweet-ass batman and joker statues in them and shit and they had right. this warner brothers script bag and i wanted to be a screenwriter so bad that i was like i of course i need that script bag and it just had like it was a canvas script bag which is just a, like a bag like a man bag, like a fucking tote like a backpack or whatever the fuck but it had the wb symbol on it and shit <laughs> so I had that and it had like, uh, you know, my bills because I paid my own bills back in those days and my fucking checkbook and like whatever else I care. It's like my man purse, but it also had didn't have a laptop because those didn't fucking exist yet, at least in any way that someone like me could afford one and shit. And I don't really think they existed yet, um, but it, there was a composition notebook that like was in that bag. That bag got stolen out of Vinny's trunk. And I. In my fucking mind, in my memory with a gun to my head, that notebook, that composition notebook was, you know, in the garbage cans somewhere in the streets of New York. Me and Vinny drove around for a few minutes, like looking at garbage cans in case whoever robbed his trunk and stole my bag, like took the money and just left all the shit. That composition notebook lost, I assumed. I just fucking found it, bro. And not only does it confound my personal timeline in terms of like, wait, 
this composition notebook was stolen. Like, and then I started another one, but I didn't. This is it. This is the only one because in my mind, that first composition notebook had notes that were written while I was on a train to Pittsburgh to go see Kim in 19, like fucking 91. Um, I, that, that composition notebook I just found is that fucking notebook. And there is an entry where I'm like, I'm on a train right now. So that inspired this scene. And that's the dialogue that wound up in chasing Amy. So this is that fucking composition notebook. And it tells a, a similar, but different story of the origin of clerks, because this notebook begins in July of 1991. Hmm. I don't see slacker until August 2nd, 1991. And that's the moment where I'm like, I want to be a filmmaker. But before that, I was already working on a convenience store screenplay, but not with the intention of directing it. That this mm-hmm. is mind bending. This is like finding out that Jesus was Jewish. Like what? Like as a kid, you know, I, I'm, I'm fully comfortable and, and I understand the idea. Now, of course it makes sense. <laughs> but back God. when I was a kid, I was like, what? Wait, then why aren't we all one church and shit? And I'm like, well, cause you know, we got other stories and shit. So this is, it, I, it's it's thrown me for a fucking loop and i got up this, this morning. sounds like a wormhole situation i think somehow it's like one of them berenstein bernstein bears things man <laughs> <laughs> um, how that book was dropped into a wormhole and then it landed here in the present and this is this is some tesseract shit this is you're gonna run into a version of yourself that's gonna warn you about something let me tell you something of all, you know, people are like, who, who, what celebrity would you want to meet? And I'd be like, oh, fuck, if I could run into Kevin Smith, <laughs> like my double Kevin Smith, either from the past or the future, not from the present, because I'm pretty familiar with myself. But if I could talk to young wormhole Kevin Smith, who's like, this is the book. You need the Bruce. Bruce, am I too soon? I'm too soon. Lois is the key. Do you even remember the movie I'm referring to? Uh, sadly, I do. <laughs> it's, it's fucking rubber band suit was burned into my retinas. Um, you know what else I found? Speaking of Snyder cuts is a bunch of like DVDs and CDs that had lots of shit on. them. I found one that has the cut opening scene and cut closing scene from cop out which I'm not even sure ever made it onto video someplace. I found a, a, like a, I guess we had Dave over like before we shot clerks too. And at my house and we shot a rehearsal. Like, so there's two like homemade scenes, like, which is fucking nuts. I found a massive version. There's a documentary called, Oh, what a lovely tea party. That was on like, uh, I think the clerks 10 DVD or something like that. And that was a shortened version of the documentary. I found the over three hour fucking version of the documentary. Like it's crazy. The shit I've, I've fucking just stumbled across that will like the club will fucking love. Like I'll put this shit in the club, but like I fucking loved, I found this amazing interview that, uh, Zach and Joey were doing the, um, Zach Knudsen and, and, um, who went on to like direct um what was the documentary uh, la, 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 la. he's made a movie Supercon, and he also directed this documentary about milius john milius um which a lot of people have seen 
So he was the guy, Zach was in Clerks too. He's the, you know, Kinky Kelly and the Sexy Stud. I'm the right, Sexy right. Stud. That's Zach Knutz. So uh, Zach and Joey were in charge of the um, behind the scenes shit on, on the, for the Zach and Mary um, DVD because I guess they shot the documentary while we were making the movie. You know, there was a run of, for a few movies where they were doing all the behind the scenes stuff. I think so, they did Red State too, didn't they? I'm pretty sure, yeah, they were there for yeah. Red State as well. Um, yeah. Before, and that was slightly before. And then they were involved with the first season of Spoilers. They they did that. And then they were kind of off on their own journey. And Joey is in the world of weed now. I saw him recently when I was doing the weed show. Um, but in any event, they had an interview with Seth Rogen that Seth gave after Zach and Miri. And it's about 12 minutes long. And it's Seth and um, Evan, his writing partner, Evan Goldberg, who is just off camera. You never see him. And he does this like run of the story of Zach Amir, including he's like, you know, I spoke to Harvey Weinstein three times. These are those calls. And so Evan off camera is imitating <laughs> Harvey Weinstein and Seth on camera is being himself the three times he's ever spoken to fucking Harvey and stuff. Crazy, wonderful, and crazy brilliant. So I found that I'm finding shit like fucking left and right. It's amazing. Um, so I'm I'm delighted that wow. I've fallen down this rabbit hole. And but I've spent every a day lot is of, Christmas when you're Kevin Smith. You're not kidding, bro. What is it? Josh and and Liv when we were doing the last year this time the reboot Roadshow tour, um, which I guess we weren't doing right now. We were off the road for the moment, but around like last year this time is we were at the middle of the tour. We broke for Christmas and then went back out on the road for January and February and February 26th, the tour was over and February 27th, the world was engulfed in fucking COVID and coronavirus and stuff. So just a minute ago, it feels like we were out on the fucking road and mm -hmm. Josh and Liv like were at one point, they called me, they started calling me special Kev because they're like, Oh, fucking just, you're so special. Everything that happens to you in your life, you're just, you're so special. <laughs> you're lucky. Everything. Aren't you special? And shit. And like, you know, they, every place we would stop and eat along the way, people would be like, holy fuck, it's you. And you know, like I, hello, how are you? And take pictures with everybody. And you know, they give us free shit and shit like that. So one time we were getting like burgers. I forget where we were, but there was a place that like we found a vegan joint that did beyond burgers. And so we stopped to get food and you know, they, prepare it and it, it takes a, a minute they're not like a fast food joint so when it was all done i'd taken pictures with a bunch of people and shit like that when it was all done we left and we're about a mile away and i'm looking into the bags and i'm like holy shit there's a bunch of shit in here that's not ours and you know josh was like sucks to be them and i was like well uh, you know what turn around and he's like are you fucking kidding me and i was like yeah man like we gotta give it back somebody you know and this is before covid post covid people be like keep the food bro you touched it you <laughs> breathed on it. it it's fucking your corroded food now but back this was those sweet pre-covid days where you could touch another person's fucking food and shit so i brought it back gave him the bag and i was like oh you guys gave us this and i think this is somebody else's food and i'm like thanks when i got back in the fucking car um josh was like why'd you do that and I was like, because like fucking somebody's waiting for that food. And he's going, that's nah, not why you did it. You did it so you could feel special. So that fucking <laughs> when you left, people would sit there going like, can you believe he brought the food back? What a nice guy. And I was like, you're right. The legend grows. 
Another um, Kevin Smith story goes out into the world. <laughs> the bar, it's easy to have that kind of life when your bar is insanely low. I ain't trying to be Chris Nolan. What a sad life that would be for me if I was like, I am more talented than I say. I just try to be Kevin Smith and you're always satisfied. Like fucking, there's no wrong answer. You can't really fuck it up that much. You say so. <laughs> Stunned in the silence, Ralph is like, good God. We're <laughs> supposed to be talking about Christmas, the season of giving. This motherfucker giving himself a hand job. He's so proud of himself. <laughs> it's always Kevmas. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly is. Um, what's your favorite Christmas uh, memory ever from childhood? Um, like the gift you got. Did your mom make I've you a I've talked about cave? this before. Um my mom made me a handmade uh, Adam West replica costume. Yeah. This is before, uh, you know, cosplay was a thing. And uh, Ralph's mom she invented sp- cosplay. She spent uh, months looking over my shoulder, apparently, while I was watching the show, making little sketches and notes so that she could replicate the costume. And one Christmas morning, I opened up a box under the tree, and there it was the fuck man she had stitched together an entire replica costume where you know she didn't have all the tools but uh she made a cowl you know uh stitched together and she had taken a clorox bottle i remember this distinctly and cut out the shape of the belt buckle and then spray painted it gold and put a uh, gold embossed bat on top of it like it was on the show but she picked the clorox bottle because it already had a curve, curve to it. in it yeah so she cut out the right size and uh it uh she had taken uh slippers and ripped off the soles of the slippers and then stitched satin boots on top of those soles in order to make the boots and she had just put about a half a year's worth of work into this costume and uh as a 10 year old I, I opened it up under the tree one christmas morning i started to shake it was it was the coolest thing i'd ever seen because she had folded <laughs> it up with the belt lying on top and the 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 bat emblem was showing the gloves were crossed and it was just pre- presented like uh, like uh, batman was hand- handing the mantle over to me to start protecting gotham city it that's why crazy. you started shaking you're like oh my god the awesome responsibility of being oh, batman god, I gotta fight crime i just want to <laughs> eat oreos <laughs> well at least i'll meet the joker and that's cool but the joker will try to kill me and that's not why is my mother facilitating all this i'm a boy not a boy wonder thank you thank you <laughs> Um, yeah that was uh, the best christmas memory ever fucking beautiful man good god what what ralph never tells you the ps of that story is the outfit was fashioned out of human skins (laughs) oh sure yeah (laughs) it was was flesh that had been dyed so many missing people in the philadelphia the greater philadelphia area small price to pay i think (laughs) for my joy And Ralph, being a rich boy from the Philly fucking, the rich area of Philly. Oh, was rich just, boy. Was like, <laughs> was your dad in the movie business? He was, yeah. Hey, rich but boy. he wasn't, you know. Ah, rich boy. He wasn't Frank Mancuso. He was just a guy selling film. <laughs> that's, a deep, that's a deep pull. From I was going to say, fucking right the there. entire internet was just like, finally, somebody has <laughs> referenced Frank Mancuso in 2020. <laughs> um. Yeah, man, fuck. That's beautiful. I don't have anything like that. My mom never made me a an outfit. Well, my mom was gifted in that way. She was very artsy, and so I think that was her outlet in a lot of ways was to 
craft stuff for me and make her happy. And she enjoyed doing it. She loved those projects. How often, you can't find that in a red book. That comes from the heart. How often did you wear the outfit? Um, Constantly. I put it on. Now to kill people. (laughs) I sullied the outfit. I know he stood for justice, but I stood for something else. I was sharpening ninja stars in my basement, <laughs> shocking them at people. When you wear a mask, shocking how you could forget who you are and lose yourself in that part. My, this was the mask. <laughs> when I put the cowl on, that was the real me. Uh, no, I, it was a play suit. I mean, I was in it constantly. And the thing was, I kept having my mom expanded and elongated and modify it. So I was wearing it through high school and college and <laughs> parties to the and, weddings <laughs> yeah really i took it on the road when i did the real life brady bunch when i was doing my adam west impression that was the costume i used are you, uh, are and, you shitting me i mean she was always being <coughs> called upon to dye me a new set of tights or lengthen the cape or do this or do that because i i got so much use out of it literally for i got decades of use out of it she was like my god this fucking off this outfit haunts me if I had only known. She's <laughs> like so much. I thought it was done when I gave it to him at age 10. Would have given him socks. Um, where did the outfit wind up? It eventually fell apart. It literally just was no longer. As they do. <laughs> serviceable in any way. And so uh, it was It was retired to the, the, great, the great cosplay in the sky. You were proud of the outfit, though. Yeah, it was awesome. I received a homemade gift from my father once. It wasn't a Christmas. It was around my birthday. He made me a bike, like a BMX bike, made it out of my old bike, you know, rather than Hmm. just buying a new BMX bike because they, they couldn't, we were poor, but I, you know, and even I understood that as a kid, but you still hope against fucking hope. Sure. That your bike is going to look like everybody else's bikes and not a bike of ridicule. (laughs) So, my my mom told me she's like your dad's been working for on something for you in the garage you can't go in the garage for like a week and then finally one day the big presentation went on and you know my old man worked night shift and shit like that he wasn't rich like ralph's dad who fucking worked for paramount studios (laughs) maybe he wasn't mancuso frank mancuso big but he was he's up there in paramount world um my my old man worked at nights at the post office and shit so him making a what him doing a project like for me on my behalf in you know his spare time which apparently took a week which you know even as a kid when it was presented to me i was like this took a week what were you doing in the garage you bastard (laughs) you bastard i am frank cross i am fucking bill murray (laughs) and scrooge aren't i yep um, I'm like, yeah, it's so great. You get two chances to abuse them. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he, uh, built me a bike. He took my old bike and he, you know, went to Kmart, I guess, and bought some like a number plate, which you put your own sticker on and fucking oh, sweet, a pad that you put, you know, on a bar between the, because the, at a certain point handlebars had that fucking bar in the middle of them i don't know what it did or whatever the fuck well he got a piece of like piping tin piping for a fence or whatever the fuck and chicken wired it between my um handlebars so that it had the appearance 
of that crossbar, but of course it would slide up and down. But you know, he infinitely put, more dangerous. Oh my god! And then he put a another wrapping case around the middle of the bike, which had you know a bigger, thicker body than than the standard BMX bike. It was like taking a girl's banana seat bike and trying to make it a huffy. And, you know, it had handle grips that were fucking spongy and shit like that. And, you know, I was raised very well. So I had the presence of mind to politely be like, oh, this is great. But inside Ralph, I was just like, I wish my dad was as rich as Ralph's. (laughs) Oh, I was thinking, I'm glad I'm not poor like the Smiths. God, why can't we have money? People with money don't have to fake appreciation for gifts. But that all being said, Ralph, and I, uh, I rode that bike. I was humiliated as I rode that bike. And my other the friends. Coat of, the bike of many colors. Uh, uh, you are not fucking <laughs> kidding. Oh, my God. It's coming together, bitch. My old man was a huge Dolly Parton fan. Exactly. Do you think he saw the irony? Do no. You, no. He was probably like, this looks sweet. He didn't realize he was making that fucking coat of many colors. He was making the bike of many colors. And yet he would listen to that song and probably be like, those fucking Appalachian hicks. Those hillbillies. <laughs> backwards poor people. Grace, where's the chicken wire? I'm going to build my son a bike with love. Um, uh, if, if, Ralph, if. Somebody was like, you give me all the money in the world that you've made. I'll give you that bike. Now, I, I wouldn't do that. Say no. Yeah, I'd be no, like, well, can I just buy it? How about 10,000 bucks? I mean, I saw that bike. <laughs> and I think 10K is very generous. You know, I'm paying you for the memories and memories you didn't even create. And come on. Let's make a deal. And they're like, you're out of your fucking mind, you heartless bastard. That's your new version of a Christmas carol right there. <laughs> like, you can go back and correct all the things that were wrong in your life. I'm like, what What? what wrong? Fuck you. <laughs> I love me. <laughs> I love me. Me likes me. Me. <laughs> me and me fairly fully agree. <laughs> He's my friend. He's mine, too. (laughs) Hey, hey there. Who the fuck are you? It's us, not you. It's me and him and we. (laughs) There's a Christmas carol with Scrooge tells the ghost to fuck off and he learns learns nothing by Christmas morning. He's like, what? You're dead. Why would I learn anything from you? You died. I'm alive. I win. Let me tell you something. You know, let me tell you how to get back into the real world and not as a ghost. What you need to do is inhabit the flesh of a young tiny Tim. He's the lame boy I found somewhere in town. <laughs> you can make him walk again, but you could also steal his soul and inhabit his body, kind of like a like get out for white people back in the old timey days. <laughs> oh Christ. Um I'm just saying that that book would sell as well <laughs> our christmas christmas carol it's time for you to make your christmas movie kevin smith and i think you've just given the <laughs> elevator pitch what is a christmas carol is that spelled with an e or no no it's just spelled c-a-r-o-l like, just like carol brady just like it that's why her name was christmas carol like in the movie she was like on the, on the cb she was like this is christmas carol coming at you <laughs> wow 
Great memory. It's a deep pull. I forgot about that. It's a deep Paramount pull, but not nearly as deep as Frank Mancuso. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> um, the uh, ain't nothing going on in the Hollywood news, though, is there? I'm just excited. To have, I got my Christmas present early. Blow job. They've moved. They've moved up the uh, drop date for Cobra Kai season three. What do you mean? What? 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 New Year's Day. Get out of here. Finally, yeah. something to do. I yeah. loved one and two. I watched them Me on YouTube. Too. Did you watch them on Netflix? I watched them on Netflix. You yeah. Johnny come lately, fucker. Yes. It took and when me I a say while. Johnny, I mean fucking Johnny. Johnny Lawrence. Yeah. He was fucking Johnny. good, man. Like that show is great. Unbelievably wonderful. I, I joined YouTube membership just so I could watch that. What was it red? Yeah. YouTube red or whatever. Yeah, well, I don't have Kevin Smith money. I can't just be joining every stream service, so I I just had to wait for it to come to me. Here, let me tell you something, dude. I had to work to get that Kevin Smith money and shit. I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth like with some mainline Philadelphia kids that fuck it. Where did you live in Philly? The Northeast section. Squirrel Hill? No, that's Pittsburgh. Where? What's what's the rich area of, of Philadelphia? Mainline, yeah, you're right. I was yeah, right. but I was I was far from the mainline. Did you ever go to that's the where the line? Kellys? That's where the Kellys grew up. What do you mean the Kellys? You familiar with Grace Kelly, the actress and princess, eventual princess? She came from Mainline. Yeah, the the Kelly family was like the preeminent social and uh, and you know rich family of Philadelphia, the Kellys. Um, and she decided to become an actress. Yes, to the shock and dismay of her family. I was going to say, becoming think- show folk. Don't you think her family would be all sorts of like, fucking, ew, that's the lowest f- fucking job there is. Entertainer. Join the circus. What are you going to work for a Paramount or something like that? <laughs> Meanwhile, cross town. We're rich. <laughs> <laughs> I watched uh, The Sopranos. I'm rewatching The Sopranos after having hosted the uh, Humble Brag Sopranos reunion last weekend. And, uh, right. It was like, uh, oh, my God, I want to rewatch that. So I'm on season fucking five and shit. And uh, fuck, I forgot why I was even going to make the reference in the first place. Mm. Damn. Mm. But you know what? Free commercial. Rewatch The Sopranos. So good. But anyway. Anyway, Cobra Cobra Kai Kai, season three. (laughs) Thanks for getting us back on track. Pothole. (laughs) Um, Yeah. How often do you see a reboot or remake that actually improves the the watching experience of the original product? That's what that's what consistently blows me away about Cobra Kai is it changes the way I look at movies that I already loved in a brand new way. That's kind of magical. Agreed. Um, It is clearly made by fans with a lot of love. Um, Thank the Lord that fucking uh, Ralph Macchio was talked into it because at first he was like nah and it's like what do you mean nah that's like the greatest idea ever thank god you know netflix had the wisdom to be like oh we'll fucking run that um because that's what really made it connect with a lot of people and stuff um yeah but man oh man such such good programming i got to interview the cast on the imdb imd boat i guess not last summer but the summer before and the creators of the show were there as well and I was blowing that fucking show and I was pretty sure that they would call me up and be like, I'm like, I want you to come direct an episode. And that never happened. Hello. Hello. Yeah. I was like, I said, I'm a fan. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that show's so good that I won't take that personally, that I was not asked to 
direct an episode. Like, That's right in your wheelhouse, too. You'd crush one of those. Um, yeah, don't make it worse. I'm just I'm saying. I'm telling you, I'm over it. Um, no, I was, I was not. Make I w- a call. Have Jordan make a call, for God's sake. That's the You know problem. what? You sit there and wait and wait and wait. I and do. And all you got to do sometimes is just ask. And I, they're like, oh, wait, of course. What were we thinking? I don't, yes. don't want to bother anybody. Oh, for fuck's sake. But yeah, I would have liked to have done that. Um, although, honestly, I don't know if I could have pulled it pulled it off. I'm, I'm a good presence to have on set just to be like, hey, everybody, we're doing a fun thing. But it's not like I would have brought anything to it. But then again... It's not like it's shot in any like you know mind bending way. It's not like no. where they're reinventing fucking filmed programming and stuff. They you're literally right. shoot at a mini mall. You're right. I did that. <laughs> yes, I used to be that guy. What the I fuck? You're right. I remember something that you did at a mini mall. Oh my god! And 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 I and I know a lot of pop culture, and I even referenced the Karate Kid and fucking Dogma. You know, season four. You're mine. There you go. You're mine. Uh, you're right, though. I don't ask people to do shit. Like any anything I get in the outside world is generally somebody coming to ask me something because I'm I'm yeah. too like I don't I don't have enough confidence in myself to be like let me, let me come in on your party because I'd be I'm I guess it's afraid it's not so much a fear it's it's not so much like a, I don't believe I'm worthy I just fear being rejected right like somebody being like See, we don't want you here and then I'm like I, oh now I can't like a thing anymore. Because I liked a thing, and then I asked to be involved in a thing, and now they said no, so now I can't like a thing anymore. It's dangerous when you're a- It's the opposite for me, because I've got some other show-busy friends that I'm in contact with socially, casually, and people say, why don't you reach out to that person and ask for something in their next- project or whatever and for me it's not the fear of rejection i've been dealing with that my entire career i'm used to that my fear is they're going to look at me differently like oh he's one of these guys he's a he's a you know he's a grabber he's trying to use whatever friendly relationship we have to further his career and i don't want to be that in people's eyes you know i don't want to be like a taker and someone who's trying to you don't want to be your own agent. That's what they refer to that. They yeah. Refer to that as. Yeah. Oh, here. Now, I've had this conversation with Greg Grunberg where he's like, no, I ask everybody I run across, what, what do you got for me? Yeah, what do you Greg, got for me? What if I could, if I could be like, if I could live my life like Greg, I'd, I'd be even, I'd, I'd be way up in your fucking grill. I'd be yeah. in every piece of mainstream pop culture. Anybody I, you know, any director I ever fucking cross paths with, I'd be like, who put me in your fucking thing? Yeah. Um, and I'm not, that ain't me like going like, you know that's bad that greg does that i wish i was i do i wish i had that ability but it just makes me feel icky about myself i don't have that gene or whatever it is which has probably cost me in my career but you and me both that's the pride pride gene man um who i believe was a pride gene. i'm concerned too much about what people think about me i think i want to be considered a good guy and so i don't want to make a I don't want to impose or make a pest of myself or be thought of as like, oh, another fucking user, another guy who's trying to use me or whatever. I don't want to, I don't want people to think that of me. Um, you want to be thought of as a nice guy in the fucking movie business? Yeah, I know. It's stupid. It's not stupid. It's just, I mean, climb that hill. I mean, for example, and this goes way back to the beginning of our friendship, when you and I started hanging out in the parking lot at K-Rock after you would come in for your visits and we'd have a cigarette and chat. Blowing each um, other like fucking dudes in the parking lot. I'm on that <laughs> season of The Sopranos, so it's fresh in my mind. 
where Finn sees fucking Vito giving head. You were Johnny Cakes. <laughs> oh shit! And I'm the one rewatching it. Fuck. Um, uh, the guys on the show would say, "Well, you're an actor. Why don't you ask your new pal Kevin Smith to put you in something?" And I was like, "I will never do that." And I never did. You came to me with Red State and said, hey, I'm doing this thing. Why don't we find something in it for you? You were kind enough to offer me something. But I always promised myself I would not take advantage of a friendship that was just starting. And I, but I could see that you and I were, had a certain simpatico and we were going to get along well. I didn't want you to think I was trying to use that burgeoning friendship to further my career in any way. So I vowed that I was never going to ask you to put me in anything. Um, and my perception, and I'm glad I did my perception from this side was like, this fucker just asks me to be in everything. Oh my God. I can't no, stand don't going that. to that show because it's like, what are you no, never, I never once thought of it, uh, but you made me think like when weren't we doing, were we doing Babylon? By Red State? Which went first, Red State or Babylon? Red State, I think. I think you might. Well, the ba- the showbiz beat pilot was first. Yeah, yeah. Because it happened months before. Right, right. Smod yeah, we Castle. talked about doing something on the radio together. And Smodcastle happened, and it was being built while we were in pre on Red State. I believe because I have a very distinct memory of meeting the um, uh, Cabot, the production designer at Smodcastle and Smodcastle, mm. of course, um, I got to grab my plug. This thing's about to die. Uh, Smodcastle, of course, is where Babylon got its start, but showbiz beat the pilot went first. Then Smodcastle right, happened. Then Reds and Smodcastle and Red State were happening at the same time. And the Smodcastle, the day that I went in, morning I went into K Rock to plug Smodcastle um, when we were in the parking lot chit chatting. And, and, and me moving out to Los Angeles like increased the amount of times that I would go into K Rock. Yeah. Because sure. um, suddenly I was local and shit like that. And um, so one morning I was, or one night, I guess I was like, hey, man, can I come in and talk about like my podcast theater or whatever? So I went in. I think that's the same day I was talking about fucking hitting the owl at the pool toy. Might be the same fucking appearance. Yeah, maybe. Um, and then I was like, oh, we're going to open the world's first podcast theater and blah, blah, blah. So afterwards, me and Ralph were in the parking lot talking. And I think it was in the parking lot after that appearance. When you were like, you know, what if we did that show, the showbiz beat at that theater? It was. It was. Like, so yeah. it was. I said, why don't we revive that dead radio show they won't let us do and just do it instead at your place since you got a place? But uh, it was that. It was like right after I announced it, essentially. It was like, oh, we yeah. got a thing, which I don't even know if it was open at that point. I, can't I think recall. it was. I, mean, I think you had done maybe a couple. Maybe we did our smodcast or something like that. Yeah, maybe. Um, so it was yeah because Babel came first of the sh- of the stuff that wasn't like smodcast. It was built to do smodcast, but Moj wasn't that interested in doing live shows. Right. So 
I think Babel went first, and then after watching like us Babel, Muse was like, I want to do a thing. And that's when Jay and Silent Bob Good Old happened. I remember in the parking lot, we had said, let's do that. And I said, but we can't call it Showbiz Beat because it's the IP of the station. And uh, I'm sure they'll get their noses out of joint if we do that. We got to come up with another name. And you said, all right, let me think about it. And you got in your car and you took off. And literally, I'm walking back to the studio and I get a text from Smith. And it just says, Hollywood Babble, capital words, on. And I was like, oh, that's fucking tits. It was based on a book that they published years ago. Yeah. But had Liz. Kenneth Anger. Yes. That had a very heavy set Liz Taylor on the cover. And it was titled Hollywood Babylon, but spelt like Babylon. Right. There is also, as we've learned over the years, a loop group here in town called the same or close. Yeah. Hollywood. Literally Hollywood Babble on. I mean, who, which one you think went first? I have no idea, but they've never agreed to live in peace separately. That's true. They've not like come after us and, and we haven't gone after them. (laughs) Maybe that's the, maybe your whole, like, I want to be thought of as a nice guy in Hollywood has kept us from fucking making millions (laughs) because those loop groupers, they're the spine of this business. Oh yeah. That's where the real money is. That's where it all trickles down to, man. The lion's share, the sweetest plums. They go to the loop groupers. It's all fucking walla. It's that walla money. <laughs> that wild walla money. Um, that's yeah, that's nuts. All right. So wait, how long were we smoking in the parking lot prior to that? Not like that day, but smoking in the parking lot, making a podcast, smoking in the parking lot, changing our futures, building a life raft off of this ship, smoking in the park. <laughs> first draft um, um how long first, prior to that i was trying to remember i think the first time we had any serious shows? connection like hung out was when you came in for zach and miri i think so that would be 2008 yeah what um what uh i had a question i forget what it was mm, good stuff yeah fucking, that's why they never let me on the radio they're like he's <laughs> He forgets what he wants to talk about and starts talking about other shit. And we're trying to talk about Cobra Kai. <laughs> um, what? Um, all right. So if that's 2008, Red State is 2010. So it was about two years of parking lot shit. Yeah. Two years of uh, hanging out, getting to know each other. Um, never once during all that time did I ever get the impression you were on the make. All The only Good. impression I ever got was he likes the same shit as I do. If anything... I was on the make because they'd be like, well, thanks for coming in. I was like, I'm going to stick around for the showbiz beat. And they're like, uh, all right, if you want, I guess it's your time. But uh, like Ralph let me and and it was fun. Loved it. Um, and I guess the other dudes were just like, fucking we're over this shit. So if no, Guesty, they were real good about Guesty wants to fucking shine. laugh, go ahead. <laughs> I could fucking read the news. I could fucking chill out in my fucking Seattle compound, dress up and fucking like max where the wild things are um where are those boys these days um bean is apparently doing a podcast now with ali mckay you remember her also oh, from, from the, the show. show but wait they're, didn't he move to england or something yeah they're doing an intercontinental podcast together mm-hmm. 
And then Kevin Ryder has just announced he he's starting his own podcast uh, this coming year with Mike Catherwood. Remember Psycho Mike? Psycho Mike. So they've all sort of uh, done what like you, one of those done one what of those you did. bands that split off, and the, you know two will go over here, and two start this thing, and two start that thing. So to me, that smells like they did the Ralph Garman model. Yeah, I'm not saying you know. Um, I'm just saying. Is there an archive? anymore of like like could you listen to any of your old shows if you wanted to there's a guy super fan um who has put together the kevin and bean archive online but there's no you can't download you can go and uh, listen to uh decades worth of clips and guests and interviews and all kinds of segments and stuff and everything but there's no official thing no so what was it? Did the, the dude just record the show every day and then? Yeah. And then he's, he's digitized it and you can listen to all kinds of MP3 content from the show. And when you guys did podcasts on that show eventually, like, was it just, was it the whole show then uploaded? No, it, was, it was edited down to an hour. <coughs> Cause you guys were like four hours. Yeah. He like used to do four day. hours of fucking work every morning. Four hours of funny. Wake the fuck up and be funny. It's, that was the hardest part was getting there in the early morning and also prep, you know, before and after it was, it ended up being a full day's work, even though we were only live on the air for four hours. So it was actually good practice for the Ralph report because that's kind of what I do now. I wake up and I start working, prepping and then recording it is the smallest part of the day. Cause then it's pre and post stuff. So, um, do you have any fond Christmas K rock Christmas memories? Well, I did that big live concert. Was it always year. work for you then because of that? Yeah, the jingle so that ball. Was, no, uh, we were uh, acoustic Christmas, oh, almost acoustic it Christmas. It was the other station that did the jingle ball. What other station did the jingle ball? Kiss, Kiss FM had the jingle ball. Is that right? Yeah, and you guys did acoustic Christmas, the all almost acoustic Christmas. Yeah, which was predicated on what? Like just our bands. The first time they did it, it was everybody came out and did an acoustic set, so they called it acoustic Christmas, mm-hmm. and then it became an, an annual event. But nobody was just playing acoustic, so they just changed it to almost acoustic Christmas. What was the best act you ever saw on almost for for acoustic Christmas? Boy. You saw a boy? Ew. <laughs> yeah. They brought out a boy. Band, like, band called boy. They didn't, a boy. They didn't really <laughs> One small boy. <laughs> and then after that, next year, they were like, ladies and gentlemen, an Indian boy. And they started just bringing out children of all the races <laughs> it's like a small world <laughs> like i remember when it was acoustic christmas and it rocked now it's just, That's just patchy playing a, it's a little it's a plastic bucket he's turned over and he's hitting with a spoon it's a fucking What's happening it's a goddamn boy patch <laughs> let's call it what it is bunch of boy bothers throwing a patch <laughs> what was your favorite i don't know there's so many live shows you know with the, the, the summertime concert they did with the uh what the hell was that called the weenie roast and the acoustic christmas and for you know being for almost two decades i saw so many live acts that it all blends together and i'm i'm hard pressed to <coughs> for anything specifically to jump out at me you know the things i, I remember are kind of like the cool things that i got to do I was going to say, did you ever get to jump on stage and rock out? Sing with anybody? Uh, no, not really. Uh-uh. <laughs> you were never like, like fucking Bono was never like, Ralph, come on stage with us. No, 
I wasn't the guy. You know, my you're name like, wasn't no, cause on the Ralph, door. You're like, because Bono wasn't a fake British man. He's a real <laughs> Irishman. <laughs> you didn't sound like him at all. Rolf, Remember we saw them live Rafe, at the, come at join the us on the, Can you join us on the stage, Rafe? That doesn't even sound Irish either. No, I'm not, that's not good. I'm doing impressions in front of the impressionist again. So bad. We saw you two live at that little club on uh, yeah. on Sunset. You brought me, me and Jen to it. That was like yeah. one of the last live concert things I've ever been to in my life. Yeah. It was they're impressive. They're you impressive. Yeah, they're impressive. Throw a fucking tissue and hurt them. We were so close. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> do you miss it around Christmas time or ever? Do you no. ever miss K-Rock? No. <coughs> really? Isn't it? Isn't that weird? No, it's so what it is weird. And what's also weird is the fact that, you know, like if I'm if I want to revisit all my old work, I could literally like fucking go online and go to iTunes or I could fucking go to YouTube. I, I can interact with everything I ever fucking made. Yeah. It's so strange that something that you worked on like 250 days of the year, probably maybe 200 and and woke up and poured yourself into and fucking did impressions and fucking like made fucking jokes and made people laugh and talk to famous people and shit that there's like you're like well the fan has an archive but that's about it like why doesn't k-rock exploit that well because they they are looking to a future that doesn't include Kevin and Bean. And so it doesn't behoove them to stoke the passion of, Hey, remember how great these guys were? They're trying to, Oh, you're kidding. That makes sense. They're trying to prop up their new shows as this is much better. And this is great. Come back to terrestrial radio and listen to us. So there's no, there's no percentage in them looking back and, you know, celebrating the great thing that they let die. Who owns the show? Um, the show is owned now by Entercom. So, but they own all the shit. Yeah. But Kevin and Bean own their name. <coughs> At one point they had to fight with the powers that be in order to own their own name. The Kevin and Bean, the combination of those names, um, they actually had to, uh, settle in court or out of court or whatever you do with lawyers. But so who uh, owns the names? They do. They've got that. The, at least who the boys if they, should they ever want to go do that again someplace else which i don't know if they do or not but i don't but yeah it was weird because you, you do kind of get up and then it goes out into the ether and you just and then your concern immediately is all right we got four hours of content to fill tomorrow let's get to it so you never really get a moment to appreciate the completion of of your of your work but i i miss i miss the audience because it was nice to have an audience that size but even in that sense, now with the Ralph Report, which is a considerably smaller audience, I have a lot more contact with those people. And I, I've gotten to know some of them and made friends with some of them. And it's it's more pleasant to me. It's 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 less pre- pressure in, in a way and more pleasant. The experience is more satisfying. So I really don't miss big corporate radio. If I was K-Rock, <clears throat> I want them to hear this, obviously. <clears throat> obviously, yeah. <clears throat> K-Rock. I'm calling K-Rock. If I was K-Rock, regardless of who's on the radio now, I would take all that shit I already own and put it behind a paywall and be like, look, mm. if you fucking want to hear your childhood, if you want to hear your happy fucking memories of going to work for fucking 10 years and shit, 
you know, give us 10 bucks. You can fucking hear it forever. And that's smart. Then they could find out and see like, Oh shit. Like fucking based on these numbers, maybe we can fucking, we got to figure something out here. Apparently the audience still likes these guys. I, I don't know. Mm. To me, it's like, you've got them all. They're all pre-produced. Like, yeah. and when you do an episode of a radio show and you have a famous fucking person, come on. Like, I don't remember ever signing anything when I went there. Did I? Like, did in, guests in like have to sign something to say, like, you can fucking play this forever? Um, no. Because I guess the idea is you're there. They're hearing you. You're, it's a live entity. It goes out into the world, and then that's it. It stops existing. But it doesn't stop existing. Right. I know. So did they, I mean, like, does it? I guess, is it even necessary to get people's permission to be like, I don't think so. I think by, by consenting to be on the radio, on the you're thing. talking, you're on the thing. So yeah. K rock owns those recordings of those individuals, the way yes. that like a record label owns that very specific recording of that artist's song. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> then they should fucking exploit it. They should be fucking throwing it out there and charging people for it, man. That's so weird. To me, if if you had full access, and I guess you do because there's a fan site. Yeah. Do you ever go listen to anything? No. It reminds me of like when I was doing the Tonight Show bits with Andy McElfish back in the day. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Before um, one would air, like the night one would air, I would be there to introduce it and shit live. And then they throw the clip and then you're like, oh, Kevin Smith, everybody. We'll be right back with somebody way better and more famous. And so- while I was there, Jay, I don't know if it's the same of every host, but I mean, Seth Meyers did the same thing. He popped in before the show to be like, hey, man, nice to meet you. <clears throat> but Jay would go to every guest and like fucking chit chat with him before the show began while he was still in his civvies before he put on his like Jay Leno outfit and shit when he's all denimed out when he looked like his Canadian tuxedo or whatever. Right. So he would come in and bullshit you know with us a little bit longer because you know andy a he knew andy and worked with andy and b it was something i'd come to learn later on he was so like enthralled by movies like you know we all like movies and shit but he was a guy here's a guy who makes media every damn day and is the star of a fucking show known the world over <clears throat> love him or don't like him like fucking Jay Leno was fucking famous as fuck and at one point controlled the airwaves past 1130 and shit. Yeah. So, you know, he was, he, we, he was sitting there one day talking to us and he was talking about whatever fucking goofy movie I was working on. And he was like, God, he's like movie people. He's like, it's so crazy and special what you do. <laughs> and I was like, it's fucking no different than what you do, man. And you do it like five times a week and shit. And he goes, what we do here is completely disposable. He's going, we make a thing. And then when it's done, we make a thing the next day. And when that's done, we make another thing. And nobody thinks about the ones that went before until they do a clip package and shit. He's going, but when you work on a movie, that lives forever. He's going, and like everybody comes together and then people will watch that from now until the end of time. And I was always like, yeah, but they could watch this from now until the end of time and some will like the same way that Carson owned his library and was able to fucking sell it himself and shit like that for a lot of people like 
those shows, which to the artists behind them, like yourself, were so disposable and kind of like, hey, the next day we had to fill another four fucking hours, were the hours, the days, the months that made up the audience's life. And while a movie is something people visit or revisit based on like how much they enjoy it and shit, like think about all the people, like, you know, people who are Ralph Report uh, Garmy members now, but all the people who you know, could listen to free radio in Los Angeles for so fucking long, who were stuck in the car for like fucking an hour to get to work. And you were the person that made them fucking laugh to the point where they would sit in the car when they fucking stopped at work you know and bring the show with them into work and whatnot like those people have memories as well that like sure. all of those shows are like a fucking direct you know like just spiking right into somebody's nostalgia not only nostalgia center but like well i guess it is nostalgia center like these are the happiest fucking moments of your life and you didn't realize it because you had it every day and then they're visited by three ghosts in the night and then you're like <laughs> fuck you I'm alive. I know what I stand for. <laughs> it's nuts to me, man, that you don't revisit it from time to time. Any of it like you no, at your funniest, you talking to famous fucking people, you having to think on your feet, never mind the preordained bits, but like just having to fucking like, you know, come up with funny shit or the moment that like, you know, you've convinced the fucking king of France or whatever. Fuck that you're Jerry Lewis. I do revisit that one. I do revisit that one from time to time because that stands out. But that's that's my movie. That's my movie event where it's like that was event radio that I had a hand in crafting. And so I will revisit that. But the rest of it was just you start to feel like you're almost working at a factory five days a week. You know, you're going in there and the conveyor belt's going by and you're just cranking out not the same product every day, but a pretty similar version. And that's what people like. They want that familiarity. They want to feel that that's their comfort food. And like you mentioned, you're, you're in, you know, you're the co-pilot in people's cars and they're driving to work and stuff and they want familiar, comfortable stuff that they like. And so you're cranking that out every day. But after, you know, 18 years of it, you're like, okay, I've got, I know how to make this widget or whatever it is that we're making here. I'd like to go off now and, and do something else. So it's, it, that's, I think why I don't miss it so much is because I did it for so long. I was like, okay, that's, I've got that experience. I've done that. And I don't go back and revisit anything really, because I, I know we've talked about this before. I don't care for myself so much in the sense that I don't listen to a lot of things that I do. I, I have a hard time watching stuff that I'm in. Yeah, you're, Matt, I like you're the, Matt Damon that way, where you're just like, ugh, ugh. If I, or remember Depp, too, when we, I mean, you know, I know we're not supposed to reference him anymore and stuff, but like, remember like on the, the set of, no, I guess it was Tusk, but I talked about it around that time. <laughs> like the first, we were doing playback for the first take he was in. And, you know, um, cause, uh, Genesis and Haley were used to the way I was working, which was like every take they did. I was like, come over and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so we were outside and we were playing back and he was like near the monitor having a cigarette. And all of a sudden he heard his voice and he fucking freaked and not freaked like, ah, and tipped the table. But he did <laughs> like, he sped off in a way that I was like, is he wanted by the government? And he just saw the feds moving in <laughs> or, you know, is he about to shit his pants? Like he got out of there fucking fast. And then later on he was like, I can't, I cannot hear myself. Like, he's like, I, I just can't stand it. And Matt was the same way too. Matt's like, I can't, I can't watch that. Oh my God. No. 
I love the making of stuff, but I don't like watching or hearing myself after the fact. It's just a weird thing. Uh, I know Kevin Smith is not particularly like that. That's <laughs> all I want to hear. I was talking to some, who was I on the podcast? I was doing an episode of plus one with Jennifer yesterday and she was talking about like, I know, you know, I'm just here so you could talk at somebody. I was like, let me tell you something. You're all here so I could talk <laughs> at somebody. Ralph, fucking Jason, Mark, oh, fucking Andy. Sure words were never spoken. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm a lone nut talking to himself. I'm Alex Jones, just fucking like slowly losing it. I use these other people not only to have somebody to there talk to. There are lizard at, people out there making movies. And they ground me. Like, I can't get away with the lizard people talk because Ralph will be like, that's not true. Don't be an asshole. You um, need to get new Kevin Smith merch made up. It's a T-shirt that says, you're all here just so I have someone to talk to. <laughs> People are like, that's the most obvious sentiment that's ever been expressed. Water is also wet. Why don't you put that on a fucking T-shirt? Um, it's crazy, man. So wait. So Zach and Mary just passed its 10th anniversary back in like 2018. So you and I have known each other for like 12 years now i mean well yeah. babylon just passed its 10-year anniversary right um and yeah we were kind of if if the timeline is what you said about zach and mary which makes sense then yeah 12 years yeah um with 10 and every day's a gift a pocket yeah somewhere fucking on another podcast you're like i don't remember any of it fucking hollywood mm -hmm. babylon's a grind yeah. do you never go back and listen to hollywood babylon i don't I, to be fair, neither have I. I haven't gone back and listened to any of the podcasts, really. And here I am, like, busting your balls, going, like, why don't you go back and listen to your yeah, own work? What the hell? Yeah, the podcasts I always think about is, like, once they're done, they're done. Very exactly. Rarely. But we, you know what we should have done and we didn't do enough of and, and should in the future? We can't do it as we do the caped commentaries on Hollywood Babylon, but... We should do a like fucking best of Babel show, like you guys used to do best of shows and shit like that. That mm. just pull the greatest fucking bits like of that year or whatever the fuck for the final episode. Do you think we'll ever do Babylon live again in front of people who are like, wow? Oh, absolutely. Um, when do we get that again, Ralph? And people well, aren't I don't in cars. Have the answer for that. They're in the same the fucking room. Do you know they got outdoor gyms here in town? Like they and moved all the that. gym equipment to the parking lot. They're called speakeasy gyms and you could go work out still and like, but in a parking lot, I, what I, a world. I fucking hate working out inside. They, they were like driving by watching you work out. Oh my God. Like what a nightmare. <laughs> they might as well ask me to take my dick out outside and show people <laughs> not just take it out. You know, when I'm by myself and maybe a passing deer or an owl sees it or something like that. But I'm talking about like in front of people and showcasing it as if it's something to be proud of instead of something to be ashamed of. Be part of my boy pageant. <laughs> And now a man boy <laughs> with his little dick. Yeah, a man with the with the penis of a boy. <laughs> and that, ladies listen, and brother. I hate to wrap this up, but I got to go do some holiday things. That's the magic of Christmas, right there. Yeah, that's, I got a little one, and so I got to some some last minute preparations to uh, get get taken care of. It is out of the kindness of his own fucking heart that Ralph, of course, is even sitting here talking, doing give me headlines and whatnot and uh we will you'll be able to hear us again 
on Hollywood Babylon after the first of the year as we kick off with the movie, yes. uh, Batman the movie on Cape Commentaries, and then head into season two. And as always, if you want to hear Ralph talking without me, if you're like, you know, I I like I like to keep them separated, <laughs> then you join the Ralph Report over at what is it, Patreon.com slash Patreon.com slash the Ralph Report. You got the the in there, the Ralph Yes. There the Ralph Report. Um Mary- TRR as we call it around the house. Is that it? Yeah. T R Tra. Tra. Tarura. Sounds easier to say the Ralph report than Tarura or TRR. TRR, baby. Um, there it is, folks. That is your Gimme Headlines Christmas extravaganza. Um, mm-hmm. The B. Arthur number was cut, but you got nothing but pure fucking Ralph. Still Carmen. got Harvey Corman making a dish. <laughs> it's funny to watch people cook with many arms. You know, another guy who's just like, he's on TV. Let's put him in the show because it's him on in this. TV. God, I wish I was alive for that period. I might have been on it. Yeah, you would have. You've uh, been introducing Jefferson Starship. I think you would have had to ask, and I would have been too proud. I'm like, they should ask me. They should know. Right, I'm going to sit here and wait by the phone for them to call me. Harvey Corman, meanwhile, he called his agents. Like, you call them Start, those space Trek people, and you tell them that I want to be in their Wars Trek. Like, I got right. a very funny old Jewish grandmother bit with many arms. <laughs> I'm the king of television. The king. And tell them I won't crack up on camera. <laughs> Unless they want that. Then we will. We call that doing a Burnett. Um, thank you. Uh, uh, the, the, you are my favorite Christmas gift this year, my friend. Uh, you're, you're a kind man and a good friend. On top of all the uh, joy you bring people with your mouth. That's right. Oral pleasures, ladies and gentlemen. I think you bring more people joy with your heart because you're one of my favorite people and one of my bestest buddies. Well, that's because you've never been blown by me. I bet you that's I'm way true. better. I'm still waiting with, with my mouth, mouth magic in my heart. It's creepy thinking that you fucked my heart going like that's enough. But yeah, while you're on the table. Uh, in 2021, ladies and gentlemen, aside from continued episodes of Hollywood Babylon, look for our book. Life fucked me to death (laughs) (laughs) on sale everywhere. (laughs) I want to do the audio book. Can I read it? Fuck yeah. All right. Okay. Um, There it is, everybody. Thank you, sir. Give it up for the great Ralph Garman, ladies and gentlemen. Let's hear from my bestest babble buddy, Mr. Kevin Smith. And that is, uh, give me headlines uh, for this week. Maybe we'll do a a end of year one next year. There you go. We'll do a best of (laughs) pulled together out of like the five episodes we've done. somebody i saw that, a great gotta tweet. get that bmx story in there I, oh my god they're like again i've heard that in like nine other podcasts oh my god that's the worst thing that ever happened to you you're a piece of shit um fuck i was gonna say something that was so important it was uh oh i'm sorry no 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 it, it couldn't have been that important but still it was kind of like quasi important but it, it was not starting a whole new conversation but it was Kind of like fucking hold on, end of year, blah blah blah. Yeah. And talk next yeah. week. Twenty twenty. No, that was the book joke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fuck, I guess there it is. Just clip this part out, Will. No way, Will. Leave <laughs> this is the juice. This is what they're paying the quality money for on that Kevin Smith Club. Like I want to hear the show fall apart, fall off the fucking rails. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> That's your Christmas gift, kids. <laughs> uh happy holidays everybody season's greetings uh indeed and a better 2021 to us all it's gonna be amazing folks we have a great 2021 as great as that star wars christmas special 
Um, mm-hmm. Thank you for being here. We'll see you. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. <clears throat> Forgive me headlines. I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Ralph Garman. And uh, you just got head. Lines. Give me head. Give me head. Give me headlines. And give me head. Nom, nom, nom. This podcast has been produced exclusively for members of that Kevin Smith Club dot com.